Arizona, Arizona, Sports. Arizona Sports. Burns and Gambo talk with a decision maker from the Coyotes front office. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUClinics.com to schedule an appointment. Our weekly visit with a front office member from the Arizona Coyotes. And this week we get to talk with the general manager of the Coyotes, Bill Armstrong. He joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line live from the Auction Community Studios. Coyotes lose last night to San Jose by a score of 4-2. to Bill, good afternoon. Happy New Year to you. It's the first time we've talked to you in 2023. Thanks for joining us as always. Good afternoon, guys. Great to talk to you guys again. And, uh, yeah, Happy New Year. Let's. We haven't had a chance to talk with you, but let's get your thoughts on the the World Juniors and just how special Dylan Gunther was in that gold medal game. Well, I mean, when you send your guys off, you, you tell them, "Hey, listen, you know, you're playing here with us with the Coyotes, and we want you to go to this tournament, and you got a chance to go away for a month and win a championship." And, you know, we want you in the pressure situations, and we want you to lead your team down the road to win that championship. And he, he, he not only delivered on that, but, you know, he scored the game-winning goal on overtime. He's one of their best players the entire tournament. So, for us, it was just a, it's a huge win. Uh, I know it's given him a ton of confidence, and uh, it's something he'll never forget. That'll stay with him for a lifetime. And, um, you know, Logan Cooley was uh, a second in, tournament, in the tournament in points. Um, he was, you know, he just was really, really good at creating offense, you know, against high-level competition in that tournament. He was outstanding. So, um, you know, two really good signs uh, for for the Oats and uh, two great prospects. I, I, I wanted to ask you this for a while, and now that he's playing, you know, he played so well. Obviously, you mentioned he had the game-winning goal in overtime. He also scored the first goal, then he assisted on Shane Wright's goal. They were up 2 nothing, and the checks came back. They tied it up, and then he won it in overtime. And, yes, it gives him a lot of confidence. When you look back now and you could say, okay, what was the signature moment to get this organization turned around? Do you think in a few years we may look back and say the trade that gave you the draft pick that got you Dylan Gunther? Could that be possible? Um, yeah. I mean, we, we had to move out two really good players at the time uh, to, to get Gunther and to kind of get out from under some contracts that, that were kind of weighing the organization, I should just say, and the salary-wise down. Um, and we were able to do that and grab, you know, obviously we got Jack McBain out of that also and, and Dylan Gunther. So it was a win-win for our organization and it gave us a lot of relief cap-wise. Uh, gave us a chance to recover and kind of rebuild. Um, so that probably it was a huge moment, uh, a huge turning point for the organization. Burns, I really like how nice Bill is. I mean, he traded away a bum on an awful contract, and he ended up with Dylan Gunther. It was the steal of the century. And he's sitting there like, we gave away two. You know, no, you gave away a total bum who couldn't play anymore and is an albatross for Vancouver, a minus three almost every night. And he's sitting there like, well, you gave away two really. No, you didn't. You stole him. I, I don't think it's how nice Bill is. I think it's how mean you are. I mean, I, I really think it's more about you than this about Bill. Well said. Well said. I think, I think way, a guy that should be a healthy think, scratch think, every night. You Bill's got Dylan just, Gunther. It's just Bill's just being a human being, and you're over there, you know, just being as as mean oh as you could possibly God. be. For goodness' sakes, was there was there any kind of a consideration to doing anything different with Dylan when he came back? Given that the, how unusual that is for a player to kind of leave mid season like that or in the early part of the season, because it doesn't appear as if anything's yeah, different with it. What, what kind of different options did you guys think about? with him 
Well, we've got some options. You know, when you're a young player, especially, you know, you're trying to fit into an NHL team, and it's it's a grind every single night. You know, sometimes when you're a young player, you can't keep to that level every night. You're on your your best night, yeah, you're there, but then you drop a little bit, and and sometimes there's some frustration, you know, and you want to make sure the coaches, you know, um, you know, play the best players, but at the same time, you know, there's certain minutes, you know, you need to play as a as a young player coming up through the organization. So, you know, you you, you kind of look at both, you know, and so. You know, he was able to go play high minutes in, in, in some prime time ice time, so that was good for his development. He's come back here, he's done the same. And, you know, there's still other options too. You know, if if, if, his, fade, uh, if his, his play fades, you know, he can go back to junior still. So there's a lot of options that we can have right now. He's played well enough to stay with the, the Coyotes and continues to, you know, add in offensively. Um, so in, in it's for him, it's a, it's a great year for him just to experience the NHL. And it, it's a battle every night. Bill Armstrong, general manager of the Coyotes, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show. I know he came back to the ice last night and he finished up that game. How's how's Chikrin doing? Is he feeling okay after last night? Yeah, he is. He's you know he's he's ready to go and uh, he'll be in the lineup uh, again against Ottawa. He's been outstanding in the sense that he's just come in and he's played really really high level hockey for us. Um, you know he's pushed aside all the other stuff and just come in and played and played well for us. Him and, and Ghost together are a pretty dynamic duo. Uh, back there on the point so it's been it's been you know just getting him back to the way he was the year before has been huge for us as an organization and you know I give credit to, to Chick in that regard you know he's put himself in great shape coming back from an injury and and really just playing his best hockey right now I think the hardest thing and I saw the frustration last night with Keller banging his stick and you could just see the six game losing streak has taken a toll on guys yeah. so I'll ask you how yeah. do you balance the the two because the the priority is to build for the future to get draft picks and assets and 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 you know this can't be a quick turnaround it's going to take some time you've talked about that before how do you balance that with the culture because when you start losing a lot that that hurts the culture so you want to build a culture of winning but you also got to make sure you balance it to to, to the reality is that you guys need the assets going forward so how do you make that work it's the toughest thing not only for the players coaches and also management and also more importantly the fans to go through that it, it is tough the one thing that we we constantly go back to is just digging into the process you know trying to get better you know last night after we we we, we lost you know all i looked in the weight room and all the guys are there you know you know doing that that little bit extra they're digging into the process trying to get bigger faster stronger and they're not quitting and they're not getting deterred and that's what we have to do is just dig into the process coaches are back at it they got practice today you know, what, what What? What went wrong last night? How do we make everybody better? It's the only thing you can dig into. The, the rebuild is very, very tough mentally on everybody. Um, and, it, you know, it can be very distracting. So the one thing that we, we try and encourage is just getting, in, that, getting back the next day and just digging into the process and keep going at it. Um, but there, there is frustration, and uh, you feel for the players on that end, too. I think a lot of people are looking at the deadline coming up in about six weeks and, and looking at some of the players, and, you know, whether it's uh, Vimelka or Agostas Bear or, or you know, Richie or, or Chikrin. I mean, there, there's going to be teams that call because some of your players have played well. But I want to ask you about the cap space and whether you feel with all the cap space you have, $35 million or so, whether yeah. that could be a key for you as well to, to take on a contract and add more young assets, whether it's a player or a draft pick. Is that something you think will happen? 
Yeah, I, I mean, very quickly we've, you know, and due to our, our, our really good scouts have, have taken an organization, people forget this. When I came in, they, the NHL took our draft picks away. We didn't have anything. We've quickly rebuilt this organization with a ton of draft picks um, through through the salary cap, mainly taking advantage of the COVID and the salary cap and just getting assets from people, getting bad contracts and flipping them for picks and, and then getting to the draft. There's no other way to do it. We have to use the salary cap to our advantage, whether that's at the deadline and we're taking on money, uh, 50% of somebody's contract and then moving the player back out. Whatever we can do to generate assets through this time of the rebuild, the more assets we have, the more darts we have at the board. And we sunk a lot of money as an organization into the scouts and into, you know, analytics and everything that we do and the background research that we do on these players. And this is all about assets. So if we can gain some more assets through the, through the cap and uh, any other way unloading players at the deadline, that, that's, that's, that's the business we're in right now. I've mentioned this about three or four times this week as the Cardinals are in search for new general manager. You'd be perfect if you could double dip the ability because you <laughs> make a bunch of trades, get the Cardinals a bunch of draft picks. I'm sure you could turn that team around very, very quickly in the, in the NFL. So, you know, they need a guy like you. I, I, I appreciate that compliment. I'm tied up with the Yotes right now. It, it, it's it's 24-7. You know, it, it doesn't stop. And uh, it's just it's one thing after the next. You know, being a GM has its perks, you know. Um, it also has its, you know, its, its moments where uh, – you know, it's, it's on you 24-7. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Bill, thanks for the time. As always, we appreciate it. Best of luck to the organization against Ottawa at home tomorrow. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, guys. You take care. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Bill Armstrong joining us on the Arizona Sports Line as the Coyotes, their homestand, wraps up tomorrow as they take on, as I mentioned, Ottawa at 7 o'clock from Mullet Arena. When we come back on Burns and Gambo, Sean Payton is going to be interviewing with the Cardinals soon. We just learned that today. He's going to cost assets to get him. Could one of those assets be a top-wide receiver? The latest on DeAndre Hopkins and Sean Payton. Next, Burns and Gambo. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Right, so now we circle back to what is our top story of the day. And we'll have James Jones on coming up at the bottom of the hour. So we're going to talk plenty of Suns basketball with him. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. Uh, Ian Rappaport, though, from the NFL Network, tweeted out an hour ago the Arizona Cardinals have received permission to speak with Saints coach Sean Payton. Sources say as they plot out their coaching search, one of the more coveted coaches available, Payton also has an interview looming with the Denver Broncos. Rappaport then followed that up with a tweet, quote, I would imagine Sean Payton would have some ideas for how to utilize Kyler Murray's talents, close quote. Gee, you think? Yeah, I imagine he would, too. I would think he would have some ideas how to utilize Yeah, listen, I, I still, listen, I, if you can get Sean Payton, get Sean Payton. But if I'm Michael Bidwell, I want to I want to hear how. How are you going to get the most out of Kyler Murray? What are you going to do to get the most out of him? So, you know, that's an important thing. I mean, obviously, Sean, uh, uh, Sean Payton did very well with a, a smaller quarterback in Drew Brees mm-hmm. for a long time. But what are you going to do to get the most out of him? I got a big investment in Kyler Murray. I want to protect that investment as best I can. And it's obviously, if I if I go out and I, I bring in Sean Payton, 
and I feel like I've got a good offensive mind who comes from the Bill Parcells tree, so I feel good about it. But I obviously want to hear what that plan is. No, there's no question about it, and I, and I certainly think it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. That scene of Kyler Murray yelling at Cliff Kingsbury walking off the field that against doesn't the happen. Saints, that doesn't happen if Sean Payton's no. his coach. No, I mean, it doesn't just, play. That doesn't yeah. happen if Sean Payton is his but coach. That, listen, that's, and that's the tough part, right? Because everything that Michael said about Cliff was how hard he worked, right? He was the first guy in, last guy to leave. He worked so hard. You could tell there was a genuine respect. Yes. But because he was a college coach that didn't have a lot of success and never coached in the NFL, he wasn't coming in here and demanding the respect of the players. And it was definite, there was a definite part of Cliff that felt more like, I'm going to be more friendly with the players than I'm going to be their coach. Coach Pro. And, right, and I think that absolutely backfired. But I think it would have been hard to come in and be the guy that, you know, that was the hard ass because that's just not who he is, right? I mean, that's that's not Cliff. I mean, so I think you were asking him to do something and be somebody that he's not if you would have said, I need you to be a hard ass and put all these guys in place and hold everybody accountable. That wasn't him. Yeah. That's why they got people like, I don't know, like Sean Kugler. Like, they got guys like that to kind of be that go-between, you know, respectful guy that the players could look up to. Now, Rappaport did follow up with a clarification on something we've been talking about today. Day as well. It's been reported the Texans have also requested permission to speak with Sean Payton. Yeah. They've been granted permission to speak with Sean Payton. Okay. So the Broncos, Cardinals, and Texans all now have permission to speak with Saints coach Sean Payton about the job. So so that that's that is now out there too. And this is not this is not like if you're New Orleans. This isn't like, okay, well, who has the best pick? I'll take, you can go to that team and you can't go to the other teams. So if, if Sean Payton agrees to go to a team, if he, if he says, look, I want to go, that's going to work out between the Texans and the Saints. So this isn't like New Orleans doesn't have a say in where he goes. Payton will decide where he wants to go and that team will eventually work out compensation and they will. Whatever team Payton decides to go to, that team will work out. There's not going to be a, this isn't going to be like Carlos Correa and the Giants and the Mets. If, if he decides he wants to come Arizona, it's going to get worked out. You may not like the results, but it's going to get worked out. It's going to be ultimately up to him, but the Saints clearly have a say in this because of the compensation. Now, I don't know about you, but around the office when this news broke, I think I got asked two or three times, what about DeAndre Hopkins? What about instead of a draft pick to the Saints for compensation for Sean Payton, you send DeAndre Hopkins? And and for what it's worth, as we change the conversation to DeAndre Hopkins, I will tell you an Instagram post that he put out there last night, this morning, Got a lot of traction among Suns fans, or Cardinals fans, I should say. It's a picture of him in his Cardinals uniform with his Cardinals helmet, and all it says is, forever grateful. And most people read that as goodbye, basically a farewell. Yeah. Goodbye, forever mm-hmm. grateful. Like that, that you know. Well, how else are you supposed to read it? No, there's really no other way to read it. It's expected that he is going to ask for a trade if he hasn't already. There was a report yesterday that Michael Bidwell is basically telling GMs that are coming in, "We want to trade DeAndre Hopkins for a draft pick. Could you trade Hop to the Saints instead of a draft pick for compensation for Sean Payton? Could you do that?" I you know it's a it's a fair question, but I mean what it, I, I that that need you need to talk to a capologist on stuff like that. 
What is the cap ramifications for New Orleans and salary? And like, I don't know what I don't know how much salary cap space they have. I don't know what that would do to them if they took on that salary. Like, I just don't know the New Orleans cap situation. So that it's just look, this isn't like trading a baseball player, right? I mean, a basketball player. This is, you know, this is a lot more difficult because of the NFL cap and the salaries and dead cap money. You don't hear about that in the NBA or Major League Baseball. Well, the dead cap hit is this, and if you trade him after this day or release him after this day, it's only half, and then you could prorate it, and all of that contract talk in the NFL is extremely hard to figure out. Yeah, extremely I, hard. So, like that's above my pay grade. I try to learn as best. I try to know as much as I can, but I think uh, trading a player with a ginormous salary like that. Would probably be very difficult to do. I think if I'm New Orleans, I think I'll just stick with. Give me the first round draft pick. I, I tend to agree with you. I, I don't know that much about it either, but I, I do know this. I know that the cap situation for the Saints isn't great because they've kind of been kicking the can down the road for years and years and years. You know, just just kind of taking that. So that their cap situation isn't great. I know this. DeAndre Hopkins has a no trade clause, so he has a say in where he's going to go in all of this. I also know this. There's no more guaranteed money left in Hopkins' deal. He's owed a contract. But none of it's guaranteed. I'm sure he's not going to lift that no trade clause unless somebody gives him some guaranteed money to do so. And I just don't know if that team is the Saints, given their I, I don't know everything, the details about their cap situation. I just know that I've read it's not great because they kick the can every single year when it comes. So I, I think it's very unlikely that that's what you end up doing with Hop. Now, that said. Man, have you seen all the stories pop up around the NFL from all these different fan bases? The Broncos, story on our sister station's website up there in Denver. So hey, many. maybe we could get DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Chicago, hey, maybe we could get DeAndre Hopkins. I saw top, Teams you would never even think of. Oh, I, tossed, I saw top five destination lists for DeAndre Hopkins. Almost every single team on the list today was one I never would have thought of. The, the Ravens? Was on the list. I know. The Giants were on the list. Now, one I did think of was New on England. That list. New England yeah. is a team I thought of. They yeah. have picks, they have cap space, and they like DeAndre Here's Hopkins. your five that you had the Patriots, the Colts, the Browns, the Ravens, and the Giants would be interesting because the Giants could use some help, although they don't, like I just said, they don't throw the ball very, they don't try, throw the ball down the field very much. Um, the Cleveland thing, you could have to, you know, restructure Deshaun Watson's contract or Miles Garrett's contract or, or something. Um, Can you imagine Deshaun Watson and, and, uh, and DeAndre Hop- Hopkins together again. Yeah. In Cleveland. See, now that, that one makes sense to me. Baltimore makes no sense. The Giants doesn't make a lot of sense. The Colts don't make a lot of sense. The I've Patriots heard, and the Browns, that makes sense. Listen, I have heard from people close to Hop that his preference would be Jacksonville and the Chargers. But I don't know that that can work just because of the money that they have at the wide receiver position already. Like Jacksonville with Kirk and the Chargers with, you know, Allen and Williams. Like, they, you know, but he, that's situations that he looks at and he has told people he likes those situations. Yeah. One other thing I want to pass on, and I have not gotten a chance to bring this up yet. Okay. Ian Rappaport tweeted out that one of the coveted GM candidates, 49ers assistant GM Adam Peters, is declining requests to interview not only with the Cardinals, also with the Tennessee Titans. While Peters has great respect for those organizations, his focus is on supporting the 49ers during their playoff run. He will not interview with the Cardinals. He will not interview with the Titans. Take him off the list. I wonder if he doesn't think... That those because jo- sometimes you know you you fir- you want your first job to be the right job, 
And I wonder if he looks at those opportunities and says, okay, that's, I'm going to wait for the right opportunity. Yeah. Now, a lot of people think that he's eventually going to succeed John Lynch, and maybe the 49ers are telling him that, you know, that Lynch isn't going to do it forever, and that if the 49ers win the Super Bowl, maybe he steps down, and then they could promote Peter. So it might be a thing where he thinks he's going to be able to get that 49ers gig within the next couple of years. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620. That was a much-needed win last night, and while they're certainly not out of the woods yet, the Suns, we all feel a little bit better today. We'll chat with President of Basketball Ops and GM James Jones. He will join us next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. State of the Suns, driven by Sonic Drive-In. Mmm, Sonic. Burns and Gambo take you inside the Suns front office and talk with a key decision maker. And that key decision maker is, of course, James Jones, the president of basketball operations and general manager of the Phoenix Suns. He joins us every single Wednesday at 3.30 to talk Suns basketball. Good afternoon, James. How are you doing today? Good afternoon. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Terrific win last night. A really impressive win. So many guys played so well. And and even with that, you guys are up by 27 in the third quarter. And uh, that team just doesn't go away. They cut it to six on a pool three-pointer. But you guys were able to hold on and and, and pull away and win that game. Good, hard-fought win for the Suns last night. It was. It was. It was a collective team effort. I mean, guys stepped up. Dario had a huge game. Um, you know, Biz, you know, in the starting role was really good for us. And I thought Tory, you know, Josh, um, Dwayne, especially Mikel, those guys early, they set the tone. They got out in transition. And, and, and we did hit first. You know, we're not good enough to, to sit back and, and wait for things to happen. We have to make the, we have to make it happen on our own. Yeah, we, we talked a lot about Dario earlier in the show, you know, being a small ball five guy and just how well he played in that match. It just better suits him to play that position and to play the four defensively, offensively. Uh, but that's probably the best game we've seen out of Dario for a while. Good matchup for him against Golden State. What did you like about his game last night? I mean, well, he, he, he was playing, you know, in his position at the top of the key with both sides of the floor available to him. Um, Dario's been a, a playmaker his entire life, and it's, it's tough when you go from being on the ball to off the ball. Um, but I just like the fact that he fought last night. I mean, I thought there were a couple offensive fouls, there were a couple plays that, that didn't go his way, and, and sometimes you could see him get down and get distracted, but he continued to, to fight, and, and, and he was aggressive. And when we have an aggressive Dario, it just unlocks all the rest of our guys. How hard is it to fight through, obviously, what you're going through right now with the injuries, but specifically in that fourth quarter, lacking the ball handlers and, and knowing that kind of you know siphoning pressure was coming from Golden State, how, how difficult was it to kind of ride through that and make it through the other side, knowing that that pressure was coming and knowing that you didn't really have the ball handlers out there to be able to handle it properly? I mean, well, you know, of course, it's always a struggle when you don't have ball handlers, but um, we have to go through that. Ultimately, um, you know, we're not going to be in situations where we have Devin and Chris to, to come and, and settle us and, and calm us down. I thought it was an opportunity for our guys, Mikel, uh, Damian, to be able to, to play under pressure and, and give Golden State credit. Um, those guys, they turned it up. I think they, they took us for granted early, and, and, and by the time they realized they were in a hole, uh, they flipped the switch, and, and when they did that, they put us on our heels. But we'll learn from it. We have to. Um, and, and that's just a, the growth stage that we'll have to, 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 to go through if we truly want to be a team that's able to start fast and finish strong. 
so many injured guys to ask you about, but if it's all right, the one I, I want to focus on for at least a minute is is Cam Johnson because we keep seeing videos of him kind of ramping up his work a little bit, the conditioning work, things like that. Is there any kind of an update you can provide to our listeners and to us about Cam Johnson and his potential return to the to the lineup? No, I mean he's in the latter stages of it, um, but you know, as far as a definitive timeline, I don't have anything. Um, I, I do know um, at some point soon we should get him back. I, I just can't tell you if that's going to be in five days, ten days. Uh, but every day he's getting closer, and and it's really determined by what you see on the floor. He's out on the floor pregame, um, he comes in the back, he's feeling better. And, and when we get to the point where he's completely good, um, you guys will know quickly. How about uh, how about guys that are that are closer? Landry, DeAndre, uh, campaign. What what are you? What's your thought process, and what are you hearing on their likely returns? Uh, they're day to day. You could probably see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if those guys are back Friday, um, early next week. Um, you know, not that's not something that's long term. Um, but we just have you know, with so many bodies down, you know, guys are beat up and they're waking up in the morning. And some guys are feeling like they're 60% uh, one moment and, you know, 30 to the next. So we'll, we'll continue to monitor them. But I'd say they're all, they're all day-to-day. We've talked about you you making a roster move and even speculated yesterday maybe you could sign somebody on a 10-day contract. You bring back Saban Lee. He was with you guys, a local kid. You had him in camp. Uh, he's been playing well in the G League. Tell, give me your thoughts on bringing him to the roster, what he may be able to do for you guys. I mean, well, he, he he can defend. He picks up 94 feet and he can push the pace. Um, he's a guy that gets paint touches and uh, puts pressure on the defense and, and can get us into some early offense. As we look at, you know, the next few days or, uh, without or, you know, the, the future without Chris and, and campaign um, and with Dwayne taking on a, a bigger load, we just felt like we needed someone that could to get us out in transition and get us some easy baskets, someone that could put pressure on opposing teams and, and help us manufacture some steals and turnovers. When is when will his first availability be? You have Denver tonight. When do you expect him to be available to play? Yeah, I would expect him to be available tonight. Um, and, and and he's familiar with what we do and how we play, and, and I think he'll be a seamless fit. James Jones, our guest on the Burns and Gambo Show, president of basketball operations and, of course, the general manager of the Phoenix Suns. It, we've asked you so many times about trades and the trade deadline, but focusing on the 10-day contract, guys, for just a second, do you think Saban Lee is it, or would you potentially be looking at another body given how thin you are right now roster-wise? I mean, well, we have a full roster, so there aren't any other uh, roster spots for us to sign 10 days, but if you look at um, just our, our roster construction with Cam Payne being down. I think the point guard position is a position for us that's one of, of dire need. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes with Saban. But, I mean, he, the kid's a player. He's he started this week. Um, uh, a quality backup, and I think he'll be able to give us some strong rotational minutes. We've talked a lot about Mikhail, and you know, you know, at times he's needed to step up. There have been terrific games by Mikhail, and uh, there have been games where he really struggled when he's been asked to, to carry the scoring load for you guys. Do you think he's just a player that's better suited being a guy that doesn't have to shoot the ball 15-plus times? Is he better in a limited amount of shot attempts? No, I think I think uh, Mikhail's a versatile player. Uh, I think we can't you know, look at him as a guy that we're going to give 25 shots tonight. Uh, is he a guy that we give 10 shots tonight? Um, just given the amount of time, uh, the amount of minutes he plays and the lineups he plays with and his, his versatility, he's going to have to be a guy that continually uh, is effective and efficient on a scale. You know, there are going to be games where we need him to, to shoot 20 times and we expect him to be efficient. And there are going to be games where we need him 
to play off the ball, just catch and shoot and shoot nine nine times, but you know have a hum- humongous or tremendous impact on the defensive end. Um, he's that swing position. I think they call him swingman for a reason. Swing on both in- both sides of the court, but more importantly, they they flex from. Are you an offensive threat? Are you a defensive threat? And can you fill in that role? So we, we need him to be dynamic in that state because we already have Devin as our scorer. We have Chris as our playmaker and DeAndre as our interior scorer. We're going to need someone that can flex in and out, and that's Mikel. How concerned are you right now about fatigue with Mikel? And has there been any thought at all about about his his minutes tapering them back a little bit? I, I know it's a terrible time to give him a day off with the streak that he's got and everything, but is, is fatigue growing to be a real concern with Mikel right now? It's something we monitor, um, but that's what off days are for. That's what the in-between days are for. Um, you you just can't, you know, like you you, you just have to, to play the season. Um, you know, you don't learn how to play um, heavy minutes or a long, grueling season until you actually play it. You know, if we think he's at a point of, you know, putting himself at risk, we will, you know, we'll, we'll monitor it. But outside of just being sore and, and tired, I mean, Mikel's, He's a guy that wants to play, and, and, and we appreciate that because when when you're desperate like we are for you know healthy bodies and for guys to, to go out there and play, uh, he sets the tone for us, and we, we'll need him to continue to do that for the rest of the year. James, we appreciate the time. As always, best of luck tonight against Denver on the second night of a tough back-to-back. Congrats on the win last night. Everybody needed that one bad for sure. We appreciate the time. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, James. James Jones joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Suns Nuggets coming up at 8 o'clock tonight. So, Tough place to play, too. So altitude. Tough place to play. They've won 11 straight games at home. Um, you're shorthanded again tonight. If, if you, you know, DeAndre Eaton's already been ruled out tonight. Landry Shamit's already been ruled out tonight. Chris Paul's already been ruled out tonight. Of course, they're already without campaign and Cam Johnson. Interesting to hear him say that Cam Johnson is in the latter stages of his recovery. Didn't know if it was going to be another five days, another 10 days. It, it certainly seems like we're close, very, very close to him. I just don't know exactly what that looks like for the Suns. Yeah, day to day, I think he's kind of feeling like, you know, we, by early next week, we're going to have a lot of those key guys back, which is good. Look, they made the roster move. I I hinted about that yesterday, that they were going to sign somebody to a 10-day contract. They do that with Saban Lee, and now you can, you know, you at least have somebody else that can handle the ball, knows this. He'll be available tonight, so we'll see if he gets in the game, but uh, James did say his availability is for tonight in Denver, so they do at least have another body for the game. Interesting to look at the schedule. Okay, I know tonight is the second night of a back-to-back, and that makes it really difficult, and you're in Denver, and that makes it even more difficult. After tonight, you're Friday at Minnesota, you're Monday at Memphis, and then you don't play again until Thursday at home against Brooklyn. So there is a little bit of a... The schedule eases up a little bit after tonight. You've only got two games basically in a week after tonight at Minnesota at Memphis so uh, that so you're there with those three guys I, I would think Landry you, campaign DeAndre you're yeah. there with those three guys and I would think your window to bring back Cam Johnson right because the games ease up a little bit over the next week maybe maybe that's your window to get Cam Johnson back because you just don't play that many games in the next week after tonight it, yeah and I think you'll probably you know want to bring him along slowly as well. Although they always say no minute restriction if you're available to play or available to play. But a guy coming off of an injury like that, I think there might be some limitations to what they ask him to do at first. He is the face of their 
franchise, he's the highest paid player in their history. Is giving Kyler Murray say in their next head coach a bad thing? We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. We're in communication, and uh, and and what we should be talking later today. We're texted, and and either today or tomorrow. And so, absolutely want to get the input of uh, our leaders, uh, including Kyler, and have spoken with uh, a number of leaders already. It was Michael Bidwell the press conference that we covered uh, Monday that we carried live on Monday, announcing that Cliff Kingsbury had been fired, that Steve Kime had resigned as general manager, and the question about the input that Kyler Murray will could potentially have in all of this is something that, quite frankly, it's been such a fast-moving week with so many developments in the story. I don't really think we've given it its due. I don't really think we've talked about it very much, well, you Just and to I. say that it, uh, you know, you shouldn't, shouldn't have input on who the coach is going to be. I mean, he's a young player in this league, and, you know, I mean, he had some input on, I believe, on certain players like Cody Ford and Hollywood Brown, and I think you could pick his brain there, but I don't think you should pick his brain on who do you think the coach should be, because... Um, well, I I I I I don't want to hire the guy that Kyler Murray wants to be the head coach. Okay? No, I don't either. Because Kyler Murray's not going to... I don't want to hire that guy. I want to hire the guy that Kyler doesn't want to be the coach. The guy that's going to push Kyler and make his life you know, miserable, make him uncomfortable to get the best out of him. I want to hire that guy. Yeah. Kyler's going to want to hire the guy that's going to be like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna, that, that's going to be buddy-buddy with him and allow him to do the things that he wants to do without pushing him to, to be the best player he can be. I mean, to me, I, I think there's a real difference here. All right, like like what Michael just said there a second ago. Are, are you going to talk to the team leaders about kind of the state of the organization and what they think should change with the organization? Yeah, you know, I I, I think that's. I want to know what Buddha thinks about the locker room and how it works. I want to know what JJ Watt, even though he's retired and not playing with the. I want to know what he thinks about the functionality of the organization and how they can improve things. I want to I want to pick the brains of the leaders of my organization on how functionally the organization can work better. I do not want to go to Kyla Murray and say, what do you think about this guy? Would you like him to be your coach or not? I don't want to do that. You know, I, I want to, like, like when we when we get a boss around here, right, they, they pick our brains, they ask us questions, they, what do, you, what do you think about what type of person you would want to be your boss or to be your leader? They don't ask us specific names, and they, I wouldn't want them to. You know, and to me, that's the difference. I don't mind asking the leaders of your team for valuable input on the state of your organization. I do mind going to Kyla Murray and saying, hey, who do you want to be your coach? Yeah, because I don't want to hire that guy. Uh-uh. I can ask him uh-uh. that and then rule those guys out. <laughs> hey, who do you want to be your coach? Oh, this guy, this guy, this guy would be great. Okay, they're ruled out. I'm yeah. not hiring any of those guys. I want to hire the guy that's going to make Kyler uncomfortable. That's the word. And that's not a bad thing. That's the word. Uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Word. He needs to be a little uncomfortable. Right. Right. He he needs to he needs to not feel like he's got everything under control yeah. and he's in charge and he's you because know he hasn't done anything he hasn't he doesn't he doesn't deserve that he's not a he's not a veteran that's been in the league for fifteen years and has had a lot of success with what he does okay that guy that's a different story 
you're trying to get the most out of Kyler Murray. There are questions about his work ethic and, and what he's willing to do to take his game to the next level. This isn't about asking, you know, you want to ask Aaron Rodgers about a coach? Okay. Drew Brees about a coach? Fine. Kurt Warner? Sure. Tom Brady? Sure. But, you know, those guys are accomplished guys who have, who have done a lot in this league and they may have earned that respect, but Kyler hasn't. So to, I do. I want the coach that's going to make him uncomfortable. I want the coach that's going to make him responsible. I want the coach that, not that he's going to make him walk around on eggshells, but it's going to make him do things that he's not accustomed to doing. Going to challenge him. Going to take him out of yes. his comfort zone yes. a little bit here. Yes. I'm going to play a soundbite. This is, uh, and of course, today is Sean Payton Day. Everyone's talking about Sean Payton because Ian Rappaport, the first to report, the Cardinals have indeed received permission to interview Sean Payton for the job. Now, with that comes not necessarily the conclusion, but certainly the assumption that the Cardinals and Saints have at least had a conversation about compensation. Otherwise, why would you waste his time? Why would you waste your time as an organization talking to somebody you're never going to get? I, I would think you wouldn't grant permission unless you've at least had that initial conversation about compensation and what the Saints might be looking for. This is Sean Payton. This is back in September. He was on Colin Cowherd's show. This is right after that Raiders win, back when the whole world seemed like it was possible for the Cardinals this year. On what he'd like to see for Kyler Murray. Again, this is back in September. Listen to what Sean Payton said then. What would I like to see? I'd love to see him uh, have a better running game under center. I'd love to see him hand the ball off to another really good player and take a deep breath. Some layups. And I, I, I want to see him have a few more layups. And I think when I need those plays, they're going to come spontaneously. The red zone or third down. Um, but I think that if we're counting on those every week, that's a stressful job. Like we're asking him to fly the Top Gun mission that we saw in the movie under the under Great the bridge, movie, the under the bridge, turn the wing, up the slope, drop the and each week. And I don't want that. I want him to cruise over Kansas and Missouri and Illinois. Let me be honest with you. That's a great analogy. Um, we went from we went from BA to Wilkes and then Kingsbury. Uh huh. This will almost be like having B.A. back. The personality of the coach, for us that, you know, cover the team and the sound bites and everything, and it's, you know, Cliff had a little bit of a dry personality. He tried to throw a zinger in there every once in a while. Sean Payton's going to be really good for Arizona if they get him. He'd yes. be really good. It's a great soundbite. You get he's going to speak his mind. You're going to get a lot more. You're going to get a lot more out of him than you even did BA because BA lied, right? He told you he lied. <laughs> yeah, I lied. I lie. I'm good at I it. Lie. I lie. You know, Sean Payton and I mean, listen, that's what we've talked about. You know, Kyle, uh, Kyler under center handed a ball off of something we've talked about all all season, really. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Tom Pelissero in tweeting about Sean Payton today tweeted that he mentioned in the story with Ian Rappaport last weekend that Sean Payton had been doing homework on the Arizona job. He's a Kyler Murray fan, and with no general manager in place, it'd be an opportunity to set up the whole operation. One other thing I want to say about about Payton real quick, too, is the story that I saw over the weekend, um, and this, again, was from Ian Rappaport talking about the Broncos getting permission to talk to Sean Payton and receiving permission to talk to Sean Payton. He said in his report that for the Saints to permit a team to interview Peyton, they would need to know that club was prepared to meet their asking price in a we trade. We talked about this yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, it, I, it, I agree. It just—it seems like you just wouldn't 
waste anybody's time unless you at least had a conversation with the Cardinals about, hey, this is what the asking price is going to be. Are you willing to do that? If it's a first-round pick, I, I, I just, a future first? You can't give up number three. You can't give up number three. No, would they take the second-round pick? It's a good one. It's a good one. Could we- you give second and a fifth? Next year's first. <sighs> I don't know. Next year's first is risky. It could be really good. It could be as good. Potentially. You're hoping that it's not because you got Sean Payton as your coach. Yeah, you would think. You would think because if Sean Payton is your coach next year's isn't number three overall. Yeah. I just I have this feeling that next year is gonna be kind of a rebuilding year to a certain extent with the cap and the draft and things like that. But I don't know. I would better than three. There are good odds it would at least be better than three. Would the Saints want that? I don't know. Do we have the Mike Greenberg cut? I do. You want to play that here I for you? Mike Greenberg when he heard that uh and I don't we don't ever really play any of his cuts, but this was interesting when he when he was talking about Kyler Murray having input on this coaching Kyler Murray will have input into who their new coach is. What is Kyler going to play Call of Duty with this guy and decide this is who should be the coach? That organization has absolutely no idea what it's doing. Like, as a Jet fan, I feel better. Like, yeah, we got the quarterback all wrong. Couldn't have gotten him all wrong. Disastrously wrong. But we didn't extend Robert Sala 10 months ago for five years and then fire him on Monday. That's a joke. Y'all are trying to get clickbait. <laughs> no, Cliff, we're not. Well, I mean, I guess maybe we are. But no, we're not. Um, I, Cliff's got the weight of the, of the world off his shoulders right now. Yeah. I think this... I don't know. Look. I think this Kyler Murray input thing... This is my personal opinion here. I think it's overstated. You think Michael I, was just kind of like, we're going to... We're, we're going to cons- say the right things that he thought he was saying. We're going to consult with team leaders. Kyler is by default as the quarterback of this team. Yeah. One of can those you imagine, guys. Can you imagine? You said we're going to consult with the team leaders and he didn't mention Kyler as one of them. Of course. I, then you, people are like, how's be, Kyler not one of the team leaders? We, He's making $250 million. Exactly. Like, we'd be reading into that too. I, I, I think on this one, I'm going to take you Michael might be his right. Word. You might be right on this. This might be overplayed a little bit I, here. I, I think that the Kyler input thing is getting a little overstated. I doubt that he has any input in who I'm the gonna, head coach I, is going to be. I'm going to play this sound but I do again. think Sean Payton's going to come here. How much input will Kyler have? Here's what he we're in communication, and uh, and and we should be talking later today. We texted, and and either today or tomorrow. And so, absolutely want to get the input of uh, our leaders, uh, including Kyler, and have spoken with uh, a number of leaders already. I don't think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think some people are taking that and expanding upon it. And coming up with more than it really is. I'm going to speak with the leaders of this team. I want to get their input. Yeah. It's not, it's not like you're going to make the decision on who the coach is going to be. I want to get your input. What do we need to do to get better? Let yeah. me, and I'm going to listen to seven different guys. Not everybody's going to have the same thing to say. Right. The top story of the day today in the Valley is Sean Payton, of course. But that's not the only story going on in the Valley. Look at that. It's 4 o'clock, which means it's time to get you caught up on everything. The 4 o'clock reset. Next, Burns and Gambo.